Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to At Your Service on this Tuesday evening. I'm Scott Jagow, your host for tonight. Glad to have you in. Let me tell you what is coming up. We'll have Dr. Alex Garza in about 15 minutes, the chief community health officer at SSM. He used to be the head of the St. Louis County Pandemic Task Force. We're going to talk about what's going on with COVID and all these other respiratory illnesses right now. There's a lot of stuff out there. He is going to give us an update on the latest with that. Then we'll talk to the president and founder of ThrottleNet, George Rosenthal, about the future of AI. Where is it right now and where is it going? I know I have a lot of questions about that. It's a fascinating subject, a little creepy sometimes, a little dangerous sometimes, but it's here to stay. So we're going to talk to George later this hour. Also, there's a group in St. Louis, maybe you don't know about this group, but they're they are doing phenomenal work. They're called Meds and Food for Kids. They were founded 20 years ago by Dr. Patricia Wolf, who will be joining us in the next hour, as well as her CEO, Chris Green, to talk about their efforts in Haiti and this thing known as uh, Plumpy Nut or ready-to-use therapeutic food. This is a kind of a, a new thing that they're doing that is helping to cut the cycle of poverty and starvation. So we'll learn all about it coming up in the next hour. And then finally, we're going to talk to Johnny Rabbit, who is now 85 years old. He's still on the air with me every Sunday morning, and I love it. But we had this event last week at the History Museum, and it was his last one, this daytime presentation he's been doing for years, decades. Anyway, he's going to talk a little bit about his uh, life and career, and I always love talking to Johnny. So stay tuned for that in the 9 o'clock hour. But first... Last week, a landmark decision by the FDA approving the first gene-editing treatment to alleviate human illness, two gene therapies specifically for sickle cell disease. We happen to have an employee in our newsroom who joined us recently. Uh, it's on the staff at CAMOX who has sickle cell. So we're learning a lot about the disease from her, and our health editor, Fred Bottomer, talked to her about it. Tiffany, What's your reaction when you hear about the FDA has approved this new treatment that might take care of sickle cell? I'm really shocked. Honestly, um, I was born with sickle cell and the worst type is called SS, sickle cell SS. So with that, I was always told that in order for me to have a 
to get treated, I would have to have a sibling in order for me to get any type of bone marrow treatment or any type of, you know, advance in medicine for this disease. So to hear that there is something being used where you don't have to have a sibling or a donor and they're using STEM in some way, I'm still doing my research about it. Um, That's very hopeful for the future, um, especially just being told a different thing when I was born. So how excited are you about this? I can't even put it into words, honestly. Um, I think the future is really bright for people who have sickle cell. When you are born with sickle cell, you get told at a young age that you have to live life with full of restrictions, you know, not going outside in cold weather, not being able to be as active in sports, um, not being able to, you know, just participate in a lot of things that plays a role in your childhood and your teenage years. So um, I think being able to be healed from this disease is very hopeful for a lot of sickle cell patients. And I think they will be really happy to hear about the advancements. What's it like to live with sickle cell? What did it, what's it feel like? Well, I tell people when I describe the pain, I say it feels like glass is shattering all over your body. Um, every little step you try to take when you have a sickle cell crisis feels like sharp pain is just being you know, it's just all over your body and that you really can't get relief from. And it's so hard to get that relief. The only two forms of relief that I really feel like are um, really helpful are blood transfusions, which we have an upcoming blood drive um, on from December 19th through the 22nd. We're raising awareness of the need for blood. And blood is actually one of the biggest ways to heal sickle cell pain. You know, when I go to the hospital and I have a sickle cell crisis and they tell me, okay, we've tried these different um, pain medications and your pain is still not under control. The next thing we're going to do is try to get you a blood transfusion and to hear, oh, I found a match for you and and you're moving forward in the process of getting a blood transfusion. Those are like life saving words. Like, I don't know how to describe, you know, when you start to hear when someone is you think that someone is dead and then you decide like you start to do some treatments on them CPR and you start to hear a heartbeat. That's how those words of I found a blood donor I found a match for you that's how that feels you know Um, because once you start getting the blood transfusion you start to feel relief immediately and um, I think you know just the overall looking into of sickle cell and what plays a role into the disease and how it can be um, you know just taking over as far as getting relief for it in the future I think is really promising for everybody. How many transfusions do you think you've had in your life? Um, I would say, wow, over my whole life, more than 15. It's just been a way of life for you since you've had it since birth? Yeah, it's been, honestly, I went through school, college, I went to Illinois State University, went through sickle cell episodes, going through every four years, also worked three jobs while I was at Illinois State University. So it was just a process of battling the pain that comes with stress, because you get triggered by some of anything, weather, stress, activity. So it's just been something that I've had to try to figure out how to get a grip on my whole life. So to hear that there's actually something, you know, being work, being made in the works of, it's, it's just crazy. Is sickle cell genetic? 
Yeah, so I was born with it because my mom has the sickle cell trait and my dad has the trait, so I came out with a full-blown disease. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my fate. What was their reaction when they found out? Um, I think my mom, honestly, just dealing with a young child on her own because my mom was a single mother, so it was really hard for her um, because you just have to go to the hospital all the time. You know, one little pain it's for a person who has sickle cell, a Tylenol or a Motrin or, you know, one of those medications, it doesn't help. It's, it's like, that's like the bare minimum. So whenever I had a crisis, my mom would immediately take me to a children's hospital and stay there. My hospitalizations, the longest I've stayed in the hospital was probably three weeks from dealing with the pain. And every time I go to the hospital now, as I get older, that admission... Um, duration is pretty long like I've always stayed at least a week or two every time I go so I really try to avoid it but it's it's unavoidable sometimes so Tiffany if stress is a trigger how do you handle a job especially as a reporter I think it takes passion you have to have the 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 true desire to be in this industry to want to continue to do something that you know is also playing a role in like your health and um, not necessarily the betterment of your health. Um, honestly, I, I do what I do because I believe that a lot of people who have sickle cell grow up with this idea that you can't do anything. You have to live a life full of restrictions. So I'm trying my best to be an example of someone who has it, the worst kind, who is able to climb the job ladder and also um, be very vocal and use her platform to educate people about what's what they aren't really educated on or to beat the odds. You know, just being told, oh, you can't do this when you're at such a young age. It can make you fall into a box and say, well, I'm just going to stay in the house and I'm not going to do anything. But for me, it was like hearing those words made me say, well, I know I first I know the God I serve. So I know that. And then in addition to that. I'm going to show other people that just because one says this doesn't mean that the future can't change. And it's all up to you and how 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 passionate you are about being the example. So for me, I just live for others. That's kind of how I put it into words. Now, you're new to the St. Louis area. How hard is it to reconnect with a sickle cell network in a new area? It's been so hard. I'm really trying to find my people here. Um, I, as far as like my sickle cell community, I've been going to Barnes Jewish Hospital. And when I had a, a crisis recently, they did a great job at treating my pain. They also have like a specific clinic dedicated to sickle cell. I'm learning that. And so I'm working on trying to find my doctor. Um, I also want to get involved with like the Red Cross and any other initiatives that deal with blood because, you know, just learning of how how much of a role blood plays in the relief of sickle cell has made me want to get more involved with anything that connects to that. So I'm currently working on trying to get in contact with the Red Cross and other um, blood donation centers. I'm currently working actively with Impact Life Blood Donation Center. It's located they have offices all over St. Louis area. And um, I've been the help ambassador for them as far as, you know, being being able to educate people about sickle cell. So I'm doing things like that and just really working to find out who 
are the people who are actually living with it. It's one thing to work with the donors and um, work with the other people who play a role with the disease. But I kind of want to find out who are those other people who are struggling so I can, you know, reach out and whether it be a mentor or figure out what they're doing in order to get relief. So one more time, Tiffany, your reaction to this news of the FDA approving this new CRISPR way of um, treating sickle cell. I'm really shocked and I really believe that it's promising for sickle cell patients and those who might be born with it in the future. Um, It's so nice to know that, you know, a future generation who has sickle cell might not have to go through the pain that we're going through right now. So I'm really excited for it. Tiffany, thanks so much. That was great. Thank you. Inspiring words from our own Tiffany Jackson from the KMOX newsroom. We appreciate her being so forthcoming about it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, this is the breakthrough that she hopes that it is. Be someone's hero for the holidays. Talking about giving blood. Join us at the Odyssey Holiday Heroes Blood Drive. It is next week from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. each day, Tuesday through Friday. Many different places, most of them YMCA's. But uh, you can find it online, the information, Odyssey Holiday Heroes Blood Drive, all next week. Please take a moment and give blood if you can. We're going to talk about another health issue that's happening during the holidays, and that is respiratory illnesses. Alex Garza from SSM Health will join us in just a couple of minutes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. It is 823, and this is At Your Service on Tuesday evening. I'm Scott Jagow, your host for the show tonight. Right now, respiratory illness activity is climbing and fast in most areas of the U.S. That includes COVID, but also RSV and the flu. Right now, joining us is Dr. Alex Garza, the SSM Chief Community Health Officer. He also headed the St. Louis County Pandemic Task Force. Dr. Garza, thanks for being with us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So what is the situation right now in the St. Louis region when it comes to respiratory illnesses? Yeah, so uh, you probably saw last week the St. Louis County had put out their press release about COVID cases uh, climbing. And so so we've seen that, too. Although, you know, when you compare this to the previous years in the pandemic, uh, the the hospitalization rate is, is much, much lower, which is a good thing. 
so so it's entering sort of that phase where we always felt it would end up where this is going to be sort of a yearly occurrence. It's going to be a little bit annoying, but it's not going to be as uh, tragic as it's been in the last couple of years. Now, you mentioned a couple of other respiratory viruses, RSV and flu. They're continuing to climb, but nothing super significant right now, but they are climbing. Um, and then some of the other you know, viruses that we track as well haven't been popping as much on the radar. But uh, we're definitely a little bit above where we've been in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I heard it or saw it described as kind of a soup of respiratory illnesses right now. And you're not always sure which one you have, but you have something, uh, some sniffles or a cough or whatever it is. Um, But I want to but on COVID specifically, why can't we get rid of this thing? Why does it keep coming back? Yeah, yeah. I think I think what people uh, sometimes forget is is we have other coronavirus. So COVID's a coronavirus. Uh, so we have other coronaviruses that circulate around and cause you know the common cold. And so you know COVID is the same way. It, it'll continue to you know mutate and morph. And so there's no one single way to get rid of it. We just now have to live with it. Now, uh, thankfully, it it has you know gotten to a point where it's become uh, a lot more like a common cold, more so than that terrible respiratory disease that we dealt with over the last three years. But it's going to continue to be that way. I think the important things to remember are, you know, get those uh, updated vaccines and practice all of those good practices that, uh, you know, we learned over the last three years with, you know, washing hands and making sure if, you know, if you're at risk, wear a mask, all of those other things that we preached for for quite some time. What about the boosters? Uh, do you have data on mm-hmm. how many people are getting the boosters? Has it dropped off at all? Yeah, yeah, it, it's dropped off significantly. So, so not a huge percentage of people are are getting vaccinated with the uh, with the updated vaccine. So, which is which is unfortunate. You know, it's a very good vaccine. It's very safe. Uh, protects you against uh, you know the the uh, the new variants that are circulating around. I think people are probably, you know, making their their decisions based off of, you know, they haven't seen as many people getting super sick from it, and and so they're foregoing the vaccine. But we've seen the same thing with, you know, other vaccines. Flu vaccine actually has the the best uptake now. So so that's a good thing that we're we're seeing better uptake with the flu. Well, why do you think that's the case? Uh, I think people are more familiar with uh, the annual flu vaccine, so it's it's pretty common, you know, especially in the healthcare field. We require people to get influenza vaccine every year, and so people understand that uh, they're used to getting that uh, that flu shot every year. Uh, you know, COVID vaccines are still, you know, if you think about it broadly, they're still relatively new. Um, you know, not quite as uh, you know in the routine of, of getting those boosters every year. How about hospitalizations? I've, I've seen some information that it's mainly very, very young, like infants and elderly that are actually being hospitalized right now for COVID. Yeah, yeah. And so it would it fits along the pattern of what you see with uh, other respiratory viruses. And so it typically affects, you know, people with weakened immune systems or comorbid diseases and then extremes of age. So especially with uh, a virus that isn't quite as virulent as we've had in the past, thankfully. Uh, and so it's going to, you know, it's going to affect people that have um, less ability to, to combat it, uh, much more so. And so that's who we're finding are being admitted to the hospitals. Is there anything that human beings can do to prevent 
another pandemic from happening or is it something that we just cannot <laughs> avoid? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, it, 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 it's difficult to predict the future. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into play with, you know, when will we see the next, you know, uh, virus to cause a global pandemic. Now, thankfully, they only come around every hundred years, but there's a, there's like these big moving pieces that increase the probability, you know, with uh, with populations moving around so quickly, you know, people living closer to to wildlife. So a lot of these viruses come out of come out of zoonotic diseases. Um, then you have you know intermingling of of, of different viruses that cause mutations. And so it's, it's really difficult to say, you know, when a virus is going to sort of hit that jackpot to have all the right ingredients. But, but we know there's some global forces at play that increase the probability. And so that's why we all need to be careful about, uh, you know, the, the safe practices that we do and, and, you know, trying to prevent that next pandemic from coming around. While I have you on, is there anything else uh, you wanted to talk about with regards to SSM health? Uh, nothing in particular with SSM, you know, work continues, taking care of, taking care of the community, you know, um, doing all those, doing all those good things to try and keep people healthy. Yeah. And, and hopefully not be in the hospital over the holidays. That's, that wouldn't be much yeah. fun. Yeah, No, absolutely. And so you're, you're going to see a spike in activity, people traveling, they're going to be close to each other, different parts of the country going to be, you know, uh, uh, intermingling with each other. And so, you know, that, that increases the odds that the viruses are going to travel with them. So that's just, you know, a price, a price that we pay. Dr. Alex Garza from SSM Health, the Chief Community Health Officer. Thanks so much for your time this evening. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Scott. All right. Thank you. Coming up next, we are going to talk about AI, artificial intelligence. We're going to be chatting with George Rosenthal, the president and founder of ThrottleNet, about the future, where we are now with it. And all kinds of uh, details should be an interesting conversation. So stay tuned to At Your Service. Thanks for tuning in to At Your Service. I'm your host tonight, Scott Jagow. And right now we are going to talk about artificial intelligence. AI is everywhere right now. And in fact, it feels like some of those movies from the 70s and the 80s are actually all coming true right at the same time. George Rosenthal joins us. He's the president and founder of ThrottleNet. George, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and you are not wrong by saying that. They <laughs> yeah. are, we, are, we are kind of living back in the 80s. Now, now we're not going to go to Terminator levels just yet, but yes, we are, I always tell my kids they're 9-11. I'm like, guys, we are living in the future. That's right. And, so, and they, they kind of don't understand that, but yes, it's true. They will. Uh, anyway, um, tell me about ThrottleNet first before we move forward. Uh, tell me about your sure. company. Sure, absolutely. So ThrottleNet is a cybersecurity firm based around IT support. So uh, we are constantly protecting every one of our clients from becoming a victim of ransomware, uh, cybersecurity threats, you name it. Uh, there are every single day people are getting hacked, people are getting attacked. People are being held up for ransom where their entire company is locked up with nothing left, nothing left. And they're asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars in ransom in order to hopefully unlock their entire business. And that's our entire goal is to make sure they, A, don't get attacked, or B, if they do, they have a quick resolution and nobody ever has to pay ransom. 
Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> I appreciate that oh, it's, it's huge. support. It's definitely different. Yeah, it's a different world we live in today. Yeah, in fact, I was told by someone to ask about your refrigerator. Oh, I'm <laughs> so glad. Yes, and that's a, so today I had the most advanced refrigerator I've ever seen in my life delivered to my house. This thing is so intelligent, and it's kind of spooky. It actually is completely tied to the Internet. It has cameras inside that will show you what's inside, but more importantly is it will identify every single piece of, uh, of, of grocery that's on your shelves and tell you what's left. And then when you tell it, I want to make a barbecue chicken sandwich with this, this, and this, it will then identify what's in your refrigerator and say, no, you need to go to Schnooks or Deerberg's and figure out what you need to buy. And it tells you that automatically, all through artificial intelligence. It's crazy. That is so, crazy. It is. Well, it, it kind of ruins, though, standing in front of the fridge with the door open. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's wild is you can actually, if you're at the grocery store, you can pull up what's inside of your refrigerator on your phone and see a live picture of everything that's inside of your refrigerator. Now, that is useful, on though. Your, that is so handy. I'm telling you, I, again, it comes back to telling my kids we live in the future, and we, we truly do. It's unbelievable and there's so many good things that artificial intelligence is going to bring us and, and we are at the very beginning of it all and it's going to change our lives dramatically from year to year this isn't something that's going to happen over decades it's going to happen over months wow and it really is it's going to happen over months and it's already happening in so many ways from video to audio to being able to mimic voices and pictures and being able to tell you where to go and how, and how to make your day more productive and more efficient, how to write things better than you've ever written things before in your lives. Like it, it's changing everything immediately. And yes, it has some downfalls. There's a lot of scary things that are going to happen, but right now the, I'm, AI is just so unbelievable. And yeah. yeah, in about 15 years, it's going to really get spooky. <laughs> well, we're going to get into all that here in a minute. I don't want to. Sure, I want to. Sure. I'm not ready to leave the refrigerator just yet. I love uh, it. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how many times I've purchased a third bottle of ketchup or hot sauce or whatever because I couldn't remember if it was there in the fridge or not, or if I had it in the cupboard. Right. So right. yeah, but I, so it saves me a little money with this thing. But but how much does this thing cost? If you don't mind that, telling me. Well, I got well. So the, the top of the line Samsung fridge. Uh, it's got a, just for, for full disclosure, before I say the price, it has a 34-inch touchscreen monitor on the front of it. So imagine a 34-inch computer screen flipped vertically, and it's all touchscreen like your iPad or like your iPhone or like your, your – so the whole refrigerator is a giant computer. And they're not cheap. I got it. it like I, I, I kind of splurged for it. it was I knew that grand, already. <laughs> I, I was a guy, but I tell you what, it is. The, it, here's the thing: it ties into Alexa. It ties into your home integration system. You can talk to it. It shows your calendar. It'll show your family pictures on on the door and change them up as you take pictures. It will automatically upload all those pictures and change your whole. So like you know, you used to have the magnets on the fridge with your picture. No more. It's all on a screen. And the whole refrigerator becomes part of your family because that's where everybody goes to find out their schedule and look at pictures and, re and recipes and what's inside the fridge. And it changes everything. And this is something that's – this is just – we're talking about one major appliance in your kitchen, but this is an example of where we're going in the future 
It's going to be everything you do from your car to every your TV, your refrigerator, your microwave. Everything's about to change. And I'm not talking about years from now. I'm talking months. Next year in 2024, new microwaves that will talk to you and tell you that, hey, you know, if you chose, if you chose a different kind of food based on the app you have on your phone to lose weight, you really should use something different in your microwave. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not kidding. It's, it's getting that way. You still got to give me the price, though, George. All right. Well, it was around three thousand. Okay, and I mean that that yeah. that's actually isn't bad for that all no, that technology. Bad. I mean, refrigerators aren't bad. cheap anyway. But I already talked to my fridge, so I don't know if I need yeah. the technology to help me do that. But no, it's fascinating. I mean, a microwave telling you to uh, you know cut out the calories. Choose different foods. Yeah, yeah based, and <laughs> it's all wild. based on what you've set up in an app on your phone because yeah. it's all talking to each other. Well, tell me, beyond the kitchen, where do you see the most promise with AI? Honestly, it's going to be, when it comes to quantum computing, it's going to be making everything about humanity better, from traffic patterns, uh, when you drive, uh, airline schedules, everything about major, major pieces of data that make humanity are going to run so much better. I mean, right now, uh, ChatGPT has a 72% accuracy in making medical decisions. That's incredible. That means that they're looking at scans from, from all types of scans, both pictures and textual, and making 72% accuracy decisions as a medical assistant to doctors. So everything, the medical is about to go through the roof with, GP, with artificial intelligence. It is about to skyrocket in the way that we are about to be able to cure diseases and, and see things way ahead of time way ahead of time to be able to get a scan for cancer, give it to artificial intelligence, and it will tell you way ahead, years mm. ahead of what a human being could have saw and say, hey, you need to look at this area for cancer. So that, that alone is about to make humanity so much better. It really is. I, it, it's just, I, can't, I get so excited about it because it's so true, and we're seeing that right now. We get into other things like video, audio, pictures, of course, uh, content creation, those things are going to help us all greatly. But in the overall aspect of everything, it is really going to come down to medical and then all about how we live on a massive data level. When we get to quantum computing in 10 years, it's going to be able to compute things that we could never have thought of, never have thought of in 10,000 years of supercomputing power. And, and that's going to change the world in about 2030 to 2035. And, and do you have a, an example Absolutely. So IBM, Google uh, have all created quantum computers and they are. So we need a bottom. Let, let, let me back up a second. A regular computer computes in a bit, one and zero. It's a, it's a transistor. It's either on or it's off. A quantum computer looks at things in the way like a water wave in the ocean and multiple waves in the ocean. It can be either zero or one. And it can be every increment in between at the exact same time. So it can see things in a greater, greater, far vaster way than any normal computer can. And it can take all that data and make predictions based on mathematics, based on uh, you know, you know, predictive, um, all types of different behavior. And so quantum computing is going to be able to change every single way that we look at humanity and the way that we work and operate that when that happens in 2030 2035 
uh, when qubits, which is a obviously the way that, that, that quantum computers work, instead of bits, they work in qubits. When it hits about a million qubits, everything will change. Right now, we're at about 430. So there's a lot of grass between here and there. Uh, 430 to a million is yeah. a long way to go. So we, we're still you know, 10, 15 years away from even trying to get there. But when we do get there, everything about humanity will change. Well, I've played around with AI a little bit recently uh, in terms of creating graphics and voiceovers. Yeah, I find it fascinating. It's incredible. The one app that I've been using to create voiceovers, it's remarkable. I give them this, uh, you know, I give in some script and then I can tweak it. I can play it, how it's going to sound. Yes. And then I, I get to pick the voice and I get to pick their emotion. So it yes. could be a Scottish woman who's very angry or it could be a Southern it's belle so great. charming. So and great. it really is amazing. And, and some of the voices are, are better than others, but some of them are remarkably close to human quality that you won't even be able to tell. So I, I'm getting the feeling. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. So I, I gave a, a presentation at a securities symposium and there was, you know, a couple hundred uh, financial securities folks from very high levels. And uh, according and I'm including that was a lot of lawyers and attorneys and their biggest concern was how are we able going to de- determine the truth of what's real and what's not? So you're going to hear a voice that says things and you're going to have to go to court someday and prove that that's real. Or uh, right now I can go to Adobe's Firefly and tweak a video of a person holding a gun or not holding a gun. And then the court has to determine whether that's real. Wow. That is. And it looks, it looks exactly real. If you go to, you can do this live right now. If you have an Adobe subscription, go to firefly.adobe.com. You can actually do text to vo- or text to image, or you can change a video at 24 frames per second in real time within Adobe Premiere. Wow! And add a add a gun or add a tie to a person's suit, and then you're going to have to prove that in court that that's real or not real. Yeah, we've got some things to sort through with this AI. Uh, uh, George, can you hang on and and uh, stay with of us for the top of the hour till the top of the hour? Of course. Okay, great. George Rosenthal, the president and founder of ThrottleNet. We're talking about AI, the future of it, what's coming, what are the uh, pitfalls to watch out for. So stay tuned to At Your Service on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Best newscast in the country. The KMOX Newsroom, national winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast in America. Thanks for tuning in to At Your Service for this Tuesday evening. I'm your host, Scott Jagow. Happy to be joined. Continuing our conversation, George Rosenthal, the president and founder of ThrottleNet, who also today had a a fridge delivered, which he can go on his phone at the grocery store and see exactly what's in it. George, I was talking about voices, generating voices through text. Yeah. And the website that I used made it very clear that they were paying uh, voice actors to create the foundation for all these AI voices. Uh, So I was happy about that. But in, in terms of job loss and replacement, what is AI going to do to some of these jobs, human jobs? 
That's a great question. And honestly, uh, right now, everybody's kind of safe, but there needs to be some careers that need to, that if you're just starting, if you're established, you're totally fine. If you're just starting, you're a 19, 20-year-old, or you've got kids that are getting ready to go to college, there's areas you need to be aware of. And I, it's it's crazy. And, and, you know, I may be wrong, but look, I mean, this is some great statistics. Like in the 1860s, 80% of the planet worked on farms. Okay. 1860, 80% of the planet was on a farm. Hmm. Then the tractor came along and changed all of it. So, you know, then you think about 1876, the refrigerator was invented and the ice blocks were killed. You know, Google, Yahoo, you look at these things, they killed so much of the yellow pages. There's no more yellow pages anymore because of Google and Yahoo. Why do you need them? You look at like Uber, for example, there's no more taxis. I have yeah. been to so many cities in the last five years. There's no more taxis anywhere. They don't exist. So, yes, there's a lot of industries that are going to go away, but I, I don't think they're going to go away right away. I think what's going to happen is AI is going to make everybody's job more efficient. I really do. I really think that if you're a writer, if you're a producer, if you're somebody who writes movie scripts, AI is going to help you make it better, make it faster. But AI is not creative at all. There's yeah. nothing about AI that's creative at all. It is all mathematics. It is all you know, predictive. It's all based on what it expects you to think the next character in the word is going to be or what the next word is going to say. It cannot make a picture without you telling it what to make. AI is not creative at all. Yeah, no, I I know that because I know people who use it in terms of uh, creating descriptions for things like radio pieces or whatever. And I hate, I hate the language that AI comes up with. I'm a wordsmith. Yes, you're right. Sometimes it's terrible. It's awful, flowery. Every single one of uh, my essays, if AI describes it, some heartfelt is always the first word. <laughs> it's yes. just like, come on. Yes. So I get where you're saying it is helpful for brainstorming and that kind yes. of thing. But right now, I don't want it replacing anything <laughs> in terms of and language. I, I, I think we're a long way away from replacing anything humans do. Humans are way too creative, too thoughtful. And here's the thing. AI will never have life experiences that humans do. And that, in turn, makes the most amazing songs you've ever heard. It makes the most amazing books you've ever read. It makes the most amazing movies you've ever seen based on life experience. And that's something that AI will never have. So I'm not worried about those particular positions going on. What I I'm love is that AI is going to make everybody's life so much more efficient. And look, if you're a paralegal, you know, maybe you're not going to make 80,000 bucks or 90,000 bucks a year, as an entry-level paralegal because GPT passed the bar exam at a 98 percentile. So the GPT can write most of the documents your boss attorney needs, but it'll make your life much faster. So maybe you'll get more money because you'll be able to process more documents through more cases faster. Wait. So. Sorry, you use the word never, which scares me a little bit, because uh, there have been some articles written about sentient AI. And what is that a thing? Is that coming? Or could robots take over? Could they actually start feeling? Could they actually be capable of thinking? So I'm. Well, 
I love that conversation because <laughs> honestly, yeah, because that gets into a whole nother level of whether you believe it's all about what humans believe. So if you're going to believe that this robot is talking to you and has feelings and you think that this thing is actually thinking like you, or is it just manipulating the English language in the way that you want it, you, they, it thinks you want to hear. Mm. And that's really the conundrum is, do you, do you think this thing is alive and sentient or do you think it's, thinking about things that you want to hear based on predicative language models that its predecessors have given it. So that's going to be the argument of the whole, not the argument, but that's going to be the conundrum is what do you, what do you truly believe? Like, do you believe the, the image is real? The video is real. The language is real. Like I have tried to mimic my voice. It's very easy. I've tried to, you know, we've been friends of, of KMOX and, and Odyssey for a long time. And I've tried to mimic many, many personalities of Odyssey, and only one has caused me trouble. And, and everybody <laughs> else has been very easy. Hmm. And it's that's what's that's what's troubling is that it's it's you never know. Like, yeah, it's all going to come down to what we believe. And I think really, it's we're going to need AI to fight AI. So one day we're going to need AI tools to say no, this is an AI generated image, or this is an AI generated voice, or this is an AI generated document or this is an AI generated, you know, uh, a, a thesis that was yeah. written by a college student, man. And I think we're going to need AI tools to fight AI pretty soon. And this, this is within <laughs> the coming years. This is, years. this is all mind blowing. I need to take a break here, George, to think about some of this stuff, but it is fascinating and you bring a lot to it. This has been a great conversation. George Rosenthal, Rosenthal, the president and founder of ThrottleNet. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. All right. This is At Your Service on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.